following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. I was back there daydreaming <laughs> about Emmett. Hey, you know, a Christmas Carol has, a, has three ghosts, past, present, future. And, uh, and, and, and the old man, what's his name? What's his name? Thank you. I just want to know if you knew what you're talking about. <laughs> and he gets visited by the ghost of Christmas past. I'm wearing the ghost of Super Bowl past. <laughs> I'm wearing him. I've got it covered up today because there's no place on this jersey which is authentic. I got it at a jersey place. And it's authentic, and it's, I don't think it was signed. Yes, it is signed. This jersey is signed. So if you want to give to the building program, I'll sell you a jersey today. <laughs> I'm teasing. I wouldn't sell this for nothing. But anyhow, I'm wearing this today in honor of the Super Bowl. But here's the beauty of what I want to talk about today. We have Super Bowl Sunday every Sunday. This is not just our Super Bowl. We have it every Sunday. We'll get to watch a football game tonight. And we're going to eat some grilled chicken, and we're going to have a good time with the family. But this is not, this is not what it's about. What it's about is that this is the Lord's Day. This is the Lord's Day. Can you clap for the Lord? It's the Lord's Day. Amen. In fact, we ought to have some Jesus jerseys, and everybody wear a number two. He's number one, and we're number two. That's all right, isn't it? That's okay. What a joy to see all of you. You're just, you just look so good, and the church is just being blessed abundantly. I'd like to give kudos to one of my dear friends in California, a pastor in the San Diego area. He's been my buddy for 40 years. He stood against the, the government out there that didn't want to open churches, and uh, his name is Art Hodges. You can look him up, and uh, the Supreme Court yesterday passed six to three that churches could have church in church. He was... He was the leader. He was the bulldog in that and absolutely just said, you know, he's pretty brilliant. When you hear him talk, you'll understand. He knew how to talk, that kind of talk. And so I appreciate our Supreme Court stepping up for the separation of church and state. Amen. I want to honor Black History Month today. Let's give that an honor. Come on, clap your hands. We're going to honor it all month, and uh, we, love, we love all people. Black lives do matter. Martin Luther King Jr. was one of my favorite preachers when I was just a young man. He, he, he forged things in my life, and, and I've, I've quoted some of his statements, but I love when he said, if you can't fly, run. If you can't run, walk. If you can't walk, crawl. But whatever you do, keep moving forward. And this church has learned through this pandemic that we're going to keep moving forward. Can I tell you what a joy it is to see you all here today on this blessed day. I give honor to my sweet wife. I give honor to my family today, and I honor you folks. God bless. Would you stand? You're incredible people. Uh, now, on Wednesday night, last Wednesday night, how many enjoyed last Wednesday night? Come on now. That's cool. We had, a, we had a house like this on Wednesday night. You're, if you haven't ever been to Wednesday night, you're going to be shocked when you come in here on Wednesday night. We're doing a series called The Life God Blesses, 
And this Wednesday we're in second part of that and we're going to have a beautiful, beautiful time here on Wednesday night and you're going to enjoy it and uh, we might even have some post blessings of Super Bowl. I'd like to ask today, how many are Brady fans? How many are my homeboys fans? So that don't make me feel real good. I'm the elder pastor around here. It's generations fighting one another today. Tom could be Patrick's father. I mean, really, he's old enough to be his dad. But I gotta tell you something, don't underestimate the power of an older man. I'm still mad at Patrick because he played right down here in Tyler. Drove right through Austin, went to Texas Tech. That bugs me. We'd like to be bragging on him today. Amen. Oh, I've had enough fun. Let me, let me teach a little bit. My scripture that I want to give to you today, it's not going to be on the screen. It's just something that I read this week. Read Proverbs 15 and 4 when you get home. A gentle tongue is a tree of life. In all the years we've been pastoring here, we tried not to have a sharp tongue, a judgmental tongue. We tried to have a gentle tongue. And God has blessed this church with grace. He's blessed this church with his mercy. And I am so honored to be standing here today to preach the gospel to you one more time. I've never lost the wonder of getting saved. And I've never lost the wonder of being called to do what I do not from a preacher's home, but when I got a hold of it, I got in the game and I started running with it and I'm still running and I'm excited. My subject today is time to get in the game. It's time to get in the game and uh, we're gonna talk about it. I've got some points I'm gonna make and I'm gonna tell you some of my stories because you love my stories and you'll never remember the sermon but maybe you'll remember the stories. Turn to somebody and say, I'm gonna help the pastor today. You may be seated. God bless you. First line is welcome to Super Bowl Sunday. This is a great day. Not because of the football game, but because it's the Lord's day. John saw him on the Lord's day. My goal today is to help you move forward and advance God's plan for your life. That's what every message should be about. And this one is no exception. The dream team, our volunteers, are all here to assist you, to pray with you and to help you. And life groups are in the lobby starting this week. Go by, sign up. I think mine is full. I just called it hang time with the pastor. and They don't even know what we're going to do, but they just want to hang out. <laughs> and uh, we're going to have a wonderful time. Sometimes we get held up or stuck where we are and fail to move forward in God's plan and we stay stuck many times too long, though not intentional, but rather the result of what I call indecision. But I want to declare that just one decision, one decision, one decision can set off a chain reaction in your life that can dramatically affect the, and enrich your life. And many of you understand that. That one decision, that decision to say yes to the Lord, that decision to say no to some things that would hurt you and drag you down, that decision to say yes to the right man and no to the wrong woman. <laughs> and that decision always comes back around. 
And I want you to be folks that make proper decisions in life. And I will declare that the greatest decision you can ever make is to serve Jesus Christ and to be in church today worshiping and acknowledging his power and presence in your life. Luke chapter 19 says Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through and a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. His name means pure. His name means innocent. He's been used as a villain, but that's his name, meaning of his name. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. And he wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead, climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. And when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. You know, most of the time Jesus is picking people up out of the ditch. He called this man out of a tree. Isn't that amazing? So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Zacchaeus is a beautiful story who one day went from being the guy who was stuck in the bleachers to a guy that was in the game. What a difference a day makes in our life. What a difference a day makes in our life. Zacchaeus was a curious spectator, an observer who was watching Jesus from afar. I'm going to make three simple points here today and then I'll, I'll talk and I'll finish this with some stories. But when it comes to relationships with God, everyone spends some time in the bleachers. They really, really do. Perhaps many of you can relate to Zacchaeus who preferred watching things from way out yonder. He wanted to see the miracle worker but just didn't know and didn't want Jesus to be attempting a miracle on him. Kind of like the little fellow I pastored in Dallas. His whole family found Jesus, got saved in our church up there. And one day he came to see what we were serving over there to make all his kids want to live for God. And I told him we was a spirit-filled church. And he said, oh, you're one of those ghost preachers. I said, well, we believe in the Holy Spirit. He said, don't bring that ghost around me. I don't want none of it. I don't want none of it. I'm glad to tell you when he died, he was said, thank you for introducing me to the Holy Spirit, Pastor. I appreciate that. Because a lot of times we're ignorant of what God wants to give us, but God wants his very best for us. Sometimes, some things tell me that it was not only Zacchaeus' shortness of statue that caused him to choose the tree as an observation deck, but also the safe distance it put between him and Jesus. He wanted to keep a distance. The up-close crowd was what we call the fully convinced crowd. We called it the cheering section. We called it the committed followers. Maybe, just maybe, Zacchaeus was more comfortable at a distance, and maybe some here can relate. But that did not mean Jesus would leave him where he was. Note, is anybody glad Jesus did not leave you where he first found you? Anybody, anybody glad of that? Let the redeemed of the Lord say so with that right now. The bleachers may be a place of comfort and complacency, no push, no advancement, no use of your talent. You cannot fulfill your destiny while sitting and staying in the seat of comfort and complacency. You can't find your purpose staying in the bleachers of life and you can't connect with your God-assigned connections in a seat of distance. Ships are never at risk while sitting in a safe harbor because ships were not built to be in a harbor. They were built to be at sea. 
The harbor of isolation may feel like a safe place for insecure people, but we were designed for the open sea of relationships. That's why people that are locked up in their homes today and have been locked up and not been able to get out, perhaps the elderly, not been able to get out, they're suffering from depression, they're suffering from fatigue because it's not meant for people to be locked up. It's not meant for people to be separated from others. It's meant for us to have community here today. And I'd like to declare that there's no outbreak here. I thank God for that. We're having good church. We're staying a safe distance from one another, but we're together. Isn't that a wonderful thing just to be together today? Amen. What a joy. What a joy. What a joy. Second point I want to make is everyone in the bleachers will be called into the game. God's going to find you. He said, you didn't choose me. I chose you. We got this thing all backwards. We think, oh, I chose Jesus one day. No, 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 no. He chose you and you felt something, so you chose him back. Remember, he chose you on his team before you ever knew who he was. When he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He died for all of us. Aren't you happy about that? Jesus reached the spot under the tree. He looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. Not tomorrow, not the next day right now. He called Zacchaeus out of his very safe and distant bleacher seat into an up-close personal interactive relationship with him. I've come to recognize and realize that this is a natural progression everyone makes in their relationship with God. First of all, from the bleachers, that safe, cozy observation deck, there's going to be a contact stage. He's going to find you in those bleachers. He'll find you. And then the second part, he will call you out of there into a relationship with him and his people. That's community stage. So it goes from contact to community. It doesn't take long. It's not a long tunnel. You have to do a lot of things that go through this process and that process. Jesus told disciples one day, follow me, and they started following. It happens right now. And on this Super Bowl Sunday, if you have not committed your life to Jesus Christ, I think it'd be a good day to start right here, right now, today. Amen. Right now. Here's an example of the people sitting in the stands. There's theological Tim. He's not getting in the game because he hadn't found a church that agrees with all his deep and detailed theology. And then there's skeptical Sally. She's not getting in the game because the church is a man-made organization and she knows it. Then there's offended Oscar. He's not been in the game since he felt taken advantage of in the last church he attended. Can I apologize for the last church you attended and say, put that behind you and reach for the mark of the prize of the high calling? Come on, let's go somewhere. Don't judge me by what you came out of. Judge me by where you're headed right now. Come on, clap your hands. And then, then there's busy Bob. He's not in the game because he doesn't have time. You know, his life is busier than most people in community. He's a busy man. And then there's perfect Phoebe. She's not in the game because she hadn't found a church good enough. People have come to me and say, Pastor, I have found the perfect church. I said, don't go, you'll run it. <laughs> Everybody in the house say, we're not perfect, but we're forgiven. You need to rejoice in that. You have been forgiven. Woo! Oh, I can get excited about that. And then there's comfortable Carl. 
He's not in the game simply because he's never made the move, you know, the energy it takes to leave the cozy, comfortable observation desk. Come on, let's get all of these behind us. And let's get out of the bleachers and let's heed the call of Jesus Christ calling us down to be with him. And the third point, everyone who leaves the bleachers will experience heaven in their house. You got a little hell in your house right now? Get Jesus in your house. There's a little bit of heaven waiting on you. In fact, I read a story in the Bible about a man named Jairus whose daughter was sick and she eventually died. And he said, Jesus, come and heal my daughter. And while Jesus was on his way to heal Jairus, his daughter, a woman with an issue of blood came up behind him and said, if I can just touch his garment, she had soul talk. I will be made whole. And she was made whole. And Jesus said, somebody touched me. And one of the disciples said, Lord, everybody's touched me. He said, no, no, no. Somebody touched me. I felt virtue go out of me. And, and, and all of a sudden, the woman came up and said, Jesus, it was me. And he said, daughter, go thy way. Thy faith has made you whole. And he goes to Jairus' house. Here's what I want to tell you. You know why he went to Jairus' house? You know why? Because Jairus came to find him to worship him. When you worship the Lord, he'll follow you to your house. And if you want a good house blessing today, worship him in his sanctuary. He'll go home with you and make your house a little bit of heaven. Come on, he'll raise some things up in your house. He'll resurrect some things in your house. I'm preaching right now. He'll lift some things in your house if you'll put him first in your life. I didn't mean to do all that. So he came down at once, verse six, and welcomed him gladly. And Jesus said to him, today salvation is come to this house. When salvation comes to your house, it's a house with heaven in it. It's a house with heaven in it. When you respond to God's call on your life, you set the course for future generations of your entire house. I have a dear friend of mine in Washington who was in England one day and two guys were driving him and he got to asking them about their relationship with the Lord. And one of the young men was from Ireland. He proudly declared that he was ninth generation Christian. Isn't that cool? And the other guy said, I'm first generation. He said, I came from a bunch of outlaws. I'm a first generation. But he said, I'm the starting point. I'm determined to begin a new legacy in my family. When you take steps to get into the game, it will affect generations to come. I'm going to tell you one of the most beautiful, you know, I, you know I had to have a football story today. I'm going to tell you one of the most beautiful football stories I've ever read and ever came in contact with. As a young football player, there was a young man getting ready to graduate from Athens High School in Georgia. He had established himself as one of the best quarterbacks in the state of Georgia. And Georgia Tech was Georgia's best program at that time and one of the best in the country. And Auburn in Alabama was great also. Georgia was terrible. They'd had the worst decade of their life the year that he decided to join. Not only were they bad, but the Bulldogs already had two great quarterbacks on the roster. My question is why were they bad when they had two great quarterbacks? That's a question, isn't it? Somebody needs to answer that. They had talent. Georgia Tech had Bobby Dodd. Bobby Dodd was a great coach, so Georgia was not in his future. He was raised in Washington, had grown up in a Maryland Terrapin fan, and he had no loyalty or connection to the hometown Georgia Bulldogs, except for one. There was a teacher in his seventh grade class named May Watley, and she made such an impression on the young boy 
when he first came in as an out-of-towner, she made him feel so special. Let me stop here and say, it's amazing how kids will attach themselves to you when you make them feel special. And Miss Watley was married to a man named Jim, Jim Watley. Big Jim was a huge influence on this boy's life. Big Jim Watley of Alabama and Georgia fame. Watley became the young man's first little league coach in Athens, and he also became a mentor to the boy, the first major male influence on the quarterback's life besides his father, who was a Methodist minister. Big Jim said one day to this boy, you need to go to Georgia, son. And the young man said, if you say so, Coach Watley, that's what I'm going to do. So this young man essentially went to Georgia at the request of his bigger-than-life little league coach. The rest, as they say, is history. In his sophomore year in 1958, the University of Georgia planned to redshirt him, and he went to the coach and he said, I don't want to be redshirted, sir. I'll just take my chances and play. That's when his fiery, competitive personality began to emerge. He entered the season third string behind two other young men. The Bulldogs opened the year, this, this is what makes it special, on the road at Austin, Texas, against the University of Texas. Come on, get with me. I'm still for Texas. I believe Coach Sark is going to pull us out. If he don't, there's somebody else will pull us out. Send Mac Brown back. That's just for Super Bowl Sunday. That's carnal. That's not spiritual. The Bulldogs opened the year at Texas. They were trailing seven to nothing midway through the third quarter. Texas was ahead. And this young man hadn't played, hadn't stepped on the field. After a longhorn punt, the starting quarterback was distracted just for a moment on the sideline and hadn't gone into the game. <laughs> so this young quarterback who had not seen the field pulled a bold move. He threw on his helmet and ran onto the field as if he was the quarterback for that series. And the head coach couldn't find the offensive coordinator and the coordinator couldn't find the head coach and they thought, the other one had sent the boy in. And it was after the drive had already started, which took 20 plays and 95 yards, and Georgia got on the scoreboard. They scored a touchdown. And then the coach sent in the extra point team to kick an extra point, but that was the first year the two-point conversion came into play. And the quarterback, who had just put himself in the game, sent them back to the sideline <laughs> and ran a two-point conversion and scored and went ahead of Texas 8-7. to seven. Now, Coach Darrell Roll, who was a dear friend of mine, y'all know that, rallied and Texas won that day 13 to 8, which makes the story even better. <laughs> that Texas beat them that day. Unfortunately for the Bulldogs, that quarterback was admonished and benched. The coach said, don't get off that bench for the rest of the game or I'm going to take your scholarship away. And the next week he gave him three plays against Vanderbilt and the kid rolled the pine the rest of the year. But the kid wanted to get in the game. So he said, I will get in the game. He refused to be left on the sideline. Yes. And in 1959, he became the Georgia second team quarterback, but he played 90% of the snaps because the coach was still mad at him from what he did in 1958. They were SEC champs that year, 1960. He was an All-American, drafted in the first round. 18 years in the NFL, three Super Bowl appearances. He ended his NFL as the most prolific passer, class of 1986 Hall of Fame. Here's his picture 
Fran Tarkington. Now, he's listed as six feet tall. Really? He's 5'10". He's 5'10". That's why the coach Paul didn't want him in the game. But you never underestimate the heart of a champion. Somebody in Houston said that one time, named Rudy Tomjanovich. Here's what I want to declare. This man is in the Hall of Fame. He had a birthday last Wednesday, February the 3rd. He turned 81 years old. He's still working. He's still going forward. He's still making, making hay. And I want to give him a hand clap today because he changed the course of Georgia football. He changed the course of life when he said, I'm going in the game. Somebody in this house needs to get that kind of spirit in you. I'm not going to be a sideline observer. I'm going to get in the game. Come on, let me preach to you. I'm going to get in the game. Let me give you something today. I call it the pathway of purpose. Number one, you've got to make contact. Everybody say make contact. You've got to make contact. Some of you are in the church today are believers, but you've been away from church life, especially during this pandemic. I want to encourage you to make attendance a regular part of your life. Just make it a, it's a great place to be. We love having you here. We want you here. You belong with God's people. Don't let mean Christians and past experiences keep you away from what God has for you right here. Let it happen here. Number two, you gotta get connected. If you're in attendance, but you haven't stopped by our information center, why not check this box and come by and, and meet us? We'd love to meet you. If you're ready to be connected, start today. Go by the life group table. Not a better time to start than right now. Everybody say amen to that. Amen. And number three, be committed. Be committed. When you check this box, you're saying, I know God brought me to this place and I want to. I really want to get a new beginning in my life. I want to be planted here. Amen. I'm not boasting, I'm not, but I know what this church puts out. I know what this, this church is about excellence in everything we do. And we really didn't believe, folks, that this building would look this nice. We really thought that it's just going to kind of not look that good, like maybe a football stadium or something. But this is a beautiful place that God has allowed us to worship in. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something. Get ready because we're going to fill this house three and four times a day. We're going to fill this house. You're in a great place right now. We're still in pandemic, but God has put you here. Why don't you just go ahead and stay around and enjoy what God is doing and get connected and be a part of what we're doing here. And number four, you need to live in community. You need to live in community. When you check this box, you're saying, I want to find my place on a team. I want to give back and help to be a life-giving community at Christian Life Austin. I love what I saw out here with the life groups, so many unique life groups. I saw one, bring your dog and let's walk dogs together. That's a great life group. You know, mine's just called hanging with pastor. Hang time with pastor. Not hanging, but hang time. <laughs> hang time. And you know what? I don't even know what we're going to do. We're just going to have something different and unique every week. It's going to be fun. But you need to be involved in something in your life to connect you to the spirit realm that you need in your life. You need that. As a kid, Ronald Reagan was taken into a shoe cobbler and when asked whether he wanted his shoes to be square-toed or round-toed, he couldn't make up his mind. So the shoe cobbler finally said, son, I'll just take care of it myself. When Reagan returned to pick up the shoes, one shoe had been round-toed and the other had been square-toed. 
Fact, true story. Every time Ronald Reagan looked down at those shoes, he was reminded of the penalty for indecision. Let me stop right now and say, you don't need one round-toed shoe and one square-toed. You don't need one on the, in the world and one in the church. You need to say, you know what? I want both my shoes to be alike. I want to live for God. I want to walk in this church and be available. Available. Don't let indecisive or distractive uh, things in your life when God calls you to live your life for him. Don't linger indecisively in the observation deck. And don't be connected to the less important things that you miss out on. Never let the urgent override the important. And what's most urgent and pressing is not always the most important in life altering. Finally, don't misunder, don't underestimate the enormous effect that answering God's call will have on your life. I could tell my story today, but I don't have that much time. It's time for me to start wrapping this up. But I want to tell you something. The greatest day of my life was when I said yes to Jesus. The second greatest day of my life was when God gave me a beautiful wife. But the greatest day of my life is when I said yes to the Lord. And I want you to understand that. It's an amazing thing to make that kind of decision. Oh, I know it's cool to kind of slump in your seat and lean back and say, bring it. I know that. But it's not cool there. And it won't be cool there. You don't need to be cool. You need to be Jesus principled. You need to accept the Lord in your life and give him your whole heart, give him your whole life and understand that this is the greatest journey you'll ever be on in your life. Say amen for that. Randy, if you'll help me. In 1963, MIT mathematician and meteorologist Edward Lorenz, here's his picture. He looks like a real smart man, doesn't he? Announced a stunning conclusion that is now referred to as the butterfly effect. You gotta listen to this. For decades, people viewed the universe as this large machine in which cause matched effects. Big cause, big effects. Small cause, small effects. And the question fueling the research was, could the flap of a butterfly's wings in Singapore affect a hurricane in North Carolina? And after considerable study, Lorenz answered with a huge yes by mathematics. He said, there is a distant but often enormous effect of tiny causes. Wow, wow, wow. Over there wind over here. I close today. My, my wife's grandmother, Viola Green, and her husband, who never considered living for God. I'm closing. Never considered living for God. They lived in a little town outside of Kilgore, Texas, over in East Texas over here. And one day she heard a little woman praying outside in a chicken house in the back of her yard. And she heard God save the Green family. Save the Green family. Save the Green family. Didn't even know her. Didn't even know her. But my wife's grandmother fell under conviction. She had two sons and three daughters and decided 
that they were going to go and be a part of a church. And she asked her husband to go with her, and he refused. And she said, okay, I'll just go by myself. And so she took those five little children, looked like a mother duck and five little ducks every Sunday. They sat down on the first, second row every Sunday. She gave her heart to the Lord. She prayed every day for her kids to do the right thing. She raised two pastors. She raised a pastor's wife who was my mother-in-law, my wife's mother. And she raised two other girls that their husbands were deacons and leaders and mentors in one of the largest churches in Houston, Texas. She raised Christ kids. Christ kids. The father, although he never accepted the Lord, he would always come in from his hunting sessions and he would clean the car up on Saturday so she and the kids could have a clean car to go to church. He didn't want to embarrass their name, you know. And last Christmas, my wife has got a passel of cousins. When I married into the family, you know, I came from a group of outlaws. I really did. I came from a group of outlaws. There was a lot of outlaws in my family and people that would hurt you. And I found Jesus and it turned my life around. But my wife came from a group of Puritans, pilgrims, Christians. Everybody in that church, I thought, every in that family, I thought was a preacher. Everybody. There's all great people. And I thought, how can this be? Is this heaven? Am I marrying into heaven? And after 39 years this Friday, 39 years this Friday, I, I, I kind of think I, I kind of think I did marry into heaven. Patty might cook something real extra for me this week. <laughs> let me finish, let me finish. But last Christmas, the cousins were together and they text and they got to counting their descendants from this one little woman that a little woman in a chicken house prayed for. And they figured there was 201 descendants. This is going to blow you away. You ready? And not a one of them, not a one of them was not a Christian. Every one of them, not a prodigal in the bunch. Not somebody that hates God in the bunch. Everybody goes to church, loves God, pastors, leaders, teachers, mentors. It just keeps flowing and it's not going to stop. It's not going to stop. Those grandkids of mine, that's Connor and that was Windsor that was giving you a prize for the football. It's in that generation. And I'm so happy to tell you that one decision, one decision can put you in that realm to a thousand generations. That's the God that we serve today. Stand to your feet all over the house. I'm done. Please stay with me till I dismiss. We're going to all go to prayer here in just a moment. Please stay with me. I know some people had to leave because of the life groups outside, but please stay here. The playbook of life is simply leave the bleachers and get in the game. That's number one. And number two, the huddle is not the game. You can't just huddle all the time. You got to run the play. You got to be active. You got to be in, in a part of this thing, not just huddling. 
huddlephilia is really the greatest failure of the church today. We're always huddling, huddling, huddling. How can we fix this? No, no, no. We need to get out there and win people to Jesus Christ. We can huddle two days a week, but we need to, we need to take this gospel seven days a week out there. And the third thing, keep the ball in play. We're too late in the game to fumble or to throw errant passes now. The Lord's about to come get us. We need to be ready. And the fourth thing is never, 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 never give up. Never give up. Never, 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 never. I want you to bow your heads. I love you so much. I'm so glad you came today and I hope you have a wonderful evening. And somebody asked, are we going to watch the Super Bowl in the church? No, no, we're not. No. We could do it in the chapel or in the multipurpose room, but we're going to, we're going to keep this the house of God. And I know, I know that's conviction of some, but so don't run by the church tonight thinking the pastor's going to sneak in here and watch Super Bowl. Oh, I'd love to watch one this big on this screen. But no, not going to happen tonight. Bow your heads, close your eyes. Dear Father, I love these people. And I thank you for those that have made that choice and that decision. I thank you for that. And I thank you, Lord, because there's people in this house that truly love you. And they hadn't made that decision. But they just, you know, they just think it's a bridge too far. It's just way out there. They can't get there from here. Yes, they can. Immediately, Zacchaeus came out of the tree and immediately you went to his house and heaven came to his house because salvation was there. What a joy. What a joy. Now, Lord, I ask you to help people today to make the decision to follow you for the rest of their life because that decision, God, is going to affect their children, their children's children. It's going to keep flowing down to the generations that are coming. Help us today to make that choice in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. Now raise your hands with me and say, Jesus, Jesus. I, choose today I choose today to follow you, to follow you. With, all my heart, with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my, soul. With all my mind, with all my and with all my strength. All my strength. I, bless I bless you today. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your, Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your love and kindness. Thank you for your care. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for healing. Thank you for deliverance. Thank you for my lift. Thank you for my blessings. Thank you for my business that you're blessing. Thank you for my home that you're blessing. Thank you for my children that you're blessing. Thank you for my family that you're blessing. I honor you today. And I choose you, Jesus, in my life today. Clap your hands all over this house right now. And love him. Oh, yes, love him. Woo. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Just love on him a little. Love on him a little. Love on him a little. Yes. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Now I close. We're not going to put this on the on the on the on the YouTube. This ain't going to be on the YouTube. But I want to tell you a little something about Emmett before you get out of here. He had forty-four hundred nine rushes, 
for 18,355 yards. He was knocked down every 4.2 yards. And he got back up. He said, I want to be in the game. Don't let your knockdowns be your knockouts. Get up and get back in the game. I'll see you Wednesday night. You're awesome people. Have a super Sunday. Go outside, get you a Dr. Pepper, some popcorn, whatever. Have a wonderful day. You're the best people in all of America. I love you. God bless. Amen.